writers are very smart and funny and being able to interact with that level of females who are so creative and watch authors talk to authors and they're people who just sat down a year ago and wrote a 300 page book that's awesome my high school drama teacher who i lost two weeks before the page launched we were batting around names in my room and i said a novel b and she went oh that's like novelty and she's like in the whole novel thing she's like it works it's definitely it definitely works we love it and i mean and it worked out pretty perfectly because now you get to be the queen bee and what could be better than being the queen bee (laughs) right right? right. (laughs) welcome to the friends in fiction writer's block podcast five new york times best-selling authors one rock star librarian and endless stories join mary Kay andrews kristen harmel Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, Mary Alice Monroe, and Ron Block. As novelists, we are five longtime friends with 85 books between us. I am Ron Block. I am so glad you've joined us for fascinating author interviews, along with insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to a new episode of Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Today, we are switching it up just a little. During the pandemic, there was a silver lining that we can all agree on. Reading communities became a salvation for readers and writers around the globe. Books became a common denominator in helping us feel a part of something, even when we could not leave our homes. Social media became a force for good, for combating loneliness and to help establish strong friendships through the magic of reading. Today, we're joined by two exemplary examples of those leading the charge and growing their Facebook reading groups to become rich, not in money, but in friends. We will be speaking with Andrea Katz from Great Thoughts, Great Readers, and the Queen Bee herself, Christy Barrett from A Novel Bee. We can't wait to talk about all things books with them. First up is Andrea Katz, founder of Great Thoughts, Great Readers, which has over 6,300 members. And joining me is the wonderful Patty Callahan, author of the forthcoming Once Upon a Wardrobe, which is available now for pre-order and out in the world on October 19th. Welcome, Andrea and Patty. Hi, Andrea. We're so happy you're with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy about this. This is so good. Andrea, you got to tell us how your group got started and how you came up with that name and even when everything began. Well, about 12 years ago, I retired from career number one, (laughs) where I was selling office buildings for a New York-based real estate investment banking firm. And I always liked to read. So I had sent out in December, an email to a big group of friends with my list of books that I liked for the year. And then a few days later, I was at the pediatrician with one of my children. And this woman in the waiting room said, oh, my God, I bought every book. And I said, excuse me? (laughs) And she said, your email, it's been forwarded all over. I said, what are you even talking about? So I then started greatthoughts.com, a book review website, and I called all the New York publishers and I said, I'm in Dallas, I'm ready to review your books. I'm not very shy. So all of a sudden I started getting lots of books and I had great thoughts going and it's been great. 
But several years ago, I said, I wonder if there's a place to make a community for people like me who really like to read and who want to interact with authors. So on a whim on a Sunday in December three years ago, I formed the group and I invited a bunch of people. And now here we are, 6,300 and something people later. That's amazing. Yeah, here we are. No, you obviously aren't shy, are you? <laughs> I love nope. it. I know. I love it because you interact with your readers on the page as if you're with them in real life. Yes. Right? You can tell your extroverted personality even well, there. You can take the girl out of sales, but you can't take sales out of the girl. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I think the best part of these Facebook groups is the interaction you know, nobody wants to just hear me talking at them. And the fact that readers can chime in, our only rule is they can't say anything negative about a book because I just think there's plenty of spaces for negativity, be it the news or Goodreads, and that's just not my thing. I only will talk about a book if I truly like the book. So I just think negativity, especially in Facebook groups, because then this gang mentality gets all mean. So we just don't allow it. And if somebody tries it, their history. It's just so easy to be mean for some people, right? And then they get such instant feedback that they feel like, oh, look, I've got my own gang now. But I'm really curious how you got it off the ground because a lot of people start Facebook reading groups, but yours just, so talk to me about how you got it off the ground in the beginning. In the very beginning, I was friends with many authors, as you know, and by inviting a bunch of the authors, we were the first group that had really big name authors that women wanted to read. And I say women because our group is probably 80% women. And our first book club was with Randy Susan Myers, who has a huge following. And everybody loved the book, Accidents of Marriage. And that was really the first domestic thriller type marriage book that was written, even though when she wrote it, she didn't think it was a thriller. And we ended up with like 600 people wow. read the book. And, you know, so I would say a lot of it was luck because we were the first. And then slowly... You know, immediately within two months, there were 10 other groups, but we just kind of kept doing our thing and minding our own business. And we're a private group. We're not public. We don't let just anyone in. And I think that has helped to keep it cohesive, stay to our values. And I think that's the reason the authors stay, because you're in there, Patty, and you know you're not going to get attacked there. You're just going to get love there. It's a and safe I place. Think yeah, it's right. a safe place and it's a safe place for readers. And if people have found it's not a safe place, it's not the right group for them. Yep. And so that's how you got it off in the beginning, but it's grown dramatically. And then the pandemic hit. Boom. And the, pan the pandemic hit. And we all muddled through it. We're still muddling through it. We are. Right. So how was your presence? and your interaction, and your group affected by that? What did you see that the pandemic did with all of that? Well, we, because we were already online and active every day, about March 10th of 2020, once 
my family realized we weren't going to the Cayman Islands on spring break with our then college freshman, it became apparent that this was a pandemic and a really big problem. So we started the Great Thoughts Virtual Book Festival on, I think, March 13th of that year with Brenda Janowitz kicked us off. And we shortly had, I think, 90 authors in three months. Wow. And it took on a life of its own. In the middle of that, I fell and broke my kneecap. So when I was literally came home and on pain meds, I was scheduling authors because I felt so strongly that everyone who had a book coming out then deserved a voice. And especially there were authors like Alison Hammer's debut was supposed to be William Morrow's um, book of the spring. And it was literally releasing like March 20th of that year. These people needed a place to talk. They did. They did. And and you certainly gave them an outlet. I kind of want to see those emails you were writing while you were on pain meds. (laughs) (laughs) They've got to be a riot. Absolutely. So uh, what were some of the other surprising highlights during this time as we look for the light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully someday? I know that your group had plenty. I'd say the most interesting thing with the virtual book festival was I would have readers say to me, you know, I don't read World War II fiction. And then during the festival, they go, you know, that author was so interesting. I read World War II fiction. I really liked it. And then we had several say, well, I don't read romance. I would never read romance. And guess what? Now we have a lot of romance readers. So I think it kind of leveled the playing field so that if you said, I'm only this genre, all of a sudden there were a lot of genres. I had, we had Chris Bohalian was one of the first authors which was like, I was so excited about that because I love him. And what was great is he's so darn approachable. These people just worshipped every word he said and everybody ran to buy his book because he's Chris Bohalian. And that was, you know, another great thing is people were so excited to read and they clearly had plenty of time to read So that was great. And we had people chiming in to every single event. I have to be honest, I couldn't watch every event. I mean, there were a lot of events. And so that was a really great thing to see people widen their reading. I think that's one of the best things about these Facebook groups is that just like a book club, you pick up and you read something you wouldn't have read otherwise. And realize, oh, yes, I am a World War II reader. Yes, I actually do like thrillers. Yes. And we are big Chris fans over Definitely. here at Friends of Definitely. Too. He's incredible. So your daughter, Sophie, has a bit of a reputation for being the cover whisperer. I want you to talk us through that and tell us how that got started. I love that. This is funny. So one of my twins, Sophie, every time a book would arrive throughout high school, she would go, oh, that's a terrible cover. That book is not going to do well. And I wonder, she gets her straight shooting from me, obviously. <laughs> and then she'd go, oh, my God, that is the greatest cover. So I told Christy Harvey about this. So Christy Harvey started calling her the Oracle of Sophie So before Christy gets a cover approved, she sends it to me and asks me to send it to my daughter. Christina Alger (laughs) does the same. 
<laughs> and it's hilarious. And now Sophie is in college and I will send her and she'll give me a yes or a no. And, you know, my other one is too polite and Jenny would say she liked everyone's cover. But so the Oracle of Sophie. I am going to send her my cover. Will you ask her what she thinks of my new cover? <laughs> Absolutely. And you can ask Christy. Sophie's had her redesign covers. Oh, that's hilarious. And But you know what? Some people just have an eye for those kind of things. I don't. I'm always asking everybody's opinion. So. Exactly. No, she got Christy, I think, three books ago to get them to change the cover of the beach hat the woman was wearing because Sophie said it didn't match. Well, too, too, man, that's awesome. There's her job. There's her career. <laughs> the cover was only one could make money doing that. Uh, right, right. Well, you never know. There's probably something ancillary to that, that that could happen. You're also known as a very enthusiastic supporter of debut novelists. And I think you, Christy Woodson Harvey's debut, Carolina Moon, Dear Carolina, sorry, was one of those. But even more than that, you're a connector. You not only pair the right reader with the right book, but you're known for connecting authors who become fast friends. It kind of makes me wonder, when you started this page, did you have any idea how it would affect people's lives? Um, not at all. Not at all. And my author relationships really source from when, remember like 12 years ago, Patty, when Twitter was fun and writers all talked on Twitter? It's kind of emanated there. I had read one of Pam Janoff's novels, and then I subsequently went back and read them all. I found her on Twitter, and I said I became her Twitter stalker and said, I've read all your books. Uh, oh, my God. And now she's one of my closest friends. But like, if that happened today, I would get blocked, and they say, oh, my God, she is really a stalker. But... <laughs> That's when many of us became friends, Christy Harvey, Beth Hoffman, Sarah McCoy. And we had really a core group of great book people on Twitter. I missed the Twitter book parties. They were fabulous. We should do like a retro Twitter book party for your book, Patty. That would be fun. It would be fun. We could call it like, remember the 90s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would actually be a blast. It would be and so much fun. Would. How did that get so, to be retro, Andrea? Jeez Louise. I know, but as a result, a lot of times authors will come to me and say, who should blurb this book? And then they end up becoming really good friends with any blurbers I introduce them to. So that's what a great thing that is. Connection. It's about yes. connection. connection. Yeah. And we need that. Gosh, desperately, especially this past year, right? And again now. I know. And that's what we were talking about earlier is the, um, the that this has been a safe space and pe where people can really connect over, over a shared love of books and reading. So when Friends and Fiction started, I think everybody was a little stunned that the community grew so fast and so big. And as that famous movie says, build it and they will come. Are you at all surprised by how that grew and how those relationships formed so quickly? No. And I'll tell you why. I always use Mary Kay as the perfect example of an author's social media because she's so authentic mm -hmm. and people love to see her dumpster dives on what she's going <laughs> to buy at thrift stores. 
And I'm mystified by people like that because I couldn't do it. So, and then she creates like these beautiful things. So combining that with Christy Harvey's design blog on way on the other end of the spectrum, Patty has her own loyal following. Mary Alice, I mean, my God, what every woman reader in the world knows more about turtles because of Mary Alice, (laughs) right? And Kristen Hormel, so based on that, um, true story, we were at the Turtle Museum in the Grand Caymans years ago, and one of my kids was like, why do you know about turtles? I'm like, oh, I read this series by Mary Alice Monroe. So when you put that kind of firepower together, of course it was going to be huge. No questions asked. And now I have authors who say to me, how do I get on Friends in Fiction? Can you get me on? Like, I have, like, this secret connection. I'm like, did you ask? So That's so funny. Your page, though, and your status as a book influencer has led to some really amazing opportunities outside of great thoughts, including writing gigs, speaking engagements, doing in-conversations. We all know what it feels like for our community. We, we've all bounded together. But what has meant the most to you in all those opportunities? I think I really appreciate the women's connection. My first career, I mostly only worked with men. And there are some great advantages to that because women have many more emotions. But I think writers are very smart and funny and being able to interact with that level of females who are so creative and watch authors talk to authors and there are people who just sat down a year ago and wrote a 300 page book that's awesome (laughs) and hearing what goes on in your mind and how you came up with it and you know seeing that you're going to be the lead title for a new imprint That makes me so happy because it's women of a certain age and other careers, you know, uh, Patty and I would have aged out, but not when it comes to books and reading. And I think people don't take it, think about that women of a certain age, that's awesome. A debut author could be 70 and it doesn't matter. And I think for women, that's really significant. Wow. So well said. So well said. And I agree with every syllable that you just spoke. Um, So what did you see breaking out during the last 19 months during the pandemic? Were there any trends or maybe some books that people didn't expect to do well that did well in the group? I think I like to call it the Bridgerton effect. (laughs) I think we were all at home and Bridgerton came out and Most everyone in the world is a fan of the Duke of Hastings. I think we can safely say that. So I think we had already seen these great quirky romances come out. Helen Hong. I mean, some of them are so fabulous. But I think it's brought romance to the forefront. And I love that. I think we saw a huge need for historical fiction. And good Lord, this year there was more than plenty. I think Patty will agree. And I think when times are goofy and weird, we all want to look forward and laugh at romance, or it's more fun to look back because what's going on in the present isn't so wonderful. So I think the fun, sexy rom-coms has been huge. 
historical fiction and the domestic thrillers. Yeah, I've noticed had that too. Yeah. yeah, more missing women and missing children and screwed up marriages uh, than you can count. And the our readers cannot get enough. Like many of them scare me. I only read the very benign thriller, but there are people who just cannot get enough of these. The word gone. Gone. Yeah, gone. And missing. How yeah, many people are missing? Missing. <laughs> but apparently a lot of people are missing. Maybe that's what the writers wish would happen. <laughs> so they're putting it down <laughs> on the page. You, you're missing. <laughs> they're stuck at home with their family like, you're missing, you're, you're missing. missing. Tomorrow you're missing. missing. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, before we go, I want to know if there is anything on your bookish bucket list that you hope to achieve that hasn't happened yet. Yes. I would love to do a great thoughts convention get together. Uh, We actually, right before the world fell apart, I talked to Mary Kay about meeting in the South. And I have this great vision that all of a sudden the readers are in a room and you go to the Patty Callahan station and she's got one kind of wine and talks about her books and Mary Kay over here and Pam Jenoff over there and Chris Bohalian over there. And I think it would be amazing. And I think we would have such great attendance, but we need the world to get to a point where we can all travel again. That's a great big dream, and it's it is. doable and wonderful. And looking from where you started to where you are now, I have no doubt that you, Andrea, can make that happen. Right, and I'm now and convinced. And I have no too. doubt that you will be there, and you will be there. <laughs> oh, I will be there. Oh, what a great thing to look forward to. And you can do live podcasts from there, Ron. I'm in. Poor Ron, he is now. He didn't realize it, but now he is part of the group. And he, where where we all go, Andrea, he goes to. That's okay. We're a lot of fun, right, Patty? Exactly. Right. Oh, and he I'm totally happy it. about it. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for everything you are doing in the world for yes. authors and booksellers and stories and readers. And before we go, can you tell everyone where to find you? You can find me on Facebook, Great Thoughts, Great Readers. Just request membership, and we'd love to have you. And thank you both so much for having me. This has been so fun. I wish we could chat all the time. Oh, us I too. Know. Us too. You're we a always joy. want to. Yes. You're a joy. Thank you for everything, Andrea. You're amazing. Thank you. See you on the Facebook. Next up, the Queen Bee herself, Christy Barrett, creator of A Novel Bee, a very active online group with over 11,500 members. Isn't that amazing? Joining in the discussion is New York Times bestselling author Christy Woodson Harvey, who is the author of the forthcoming Christmas in Peachtree Bluff, or as I like to call it, you asked for it, you got it. Which is That's also gross. available for pre-orders and comes out on October 26th. Welcome, Christy and Christy. Yay! Well, Hi, Christy. Hi, darling. She's also known as Soul Christy. 
That's right. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> and we're even spelled the same for people who can't, you know, see right, right now. So we're really, we're really Christy squared here. <laughs> Imagine me writing all these emails. Christy, 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 Christy. Okay. <laughs> so Christy, let's start out with you telling us how you came up with the idea of a novel B and with the name and the theme. Well, first, my nickname through high school, from grade school on, was always Christy B with a couple of people because my last name is Barrett. And then we moved almost 17 years ago and some friends, when I moved, I was trying to change an email and I just put B-E-E on the end of it. And a friend said, oh my gosh, that's the perfect nickname for you. And I was like, that's horrible. These sting people. I never try to hurt people. And he's like, no, no, no. Bees leave sweetness wherever they go. He's like, that's what I, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And so it mushroomed into its own thing. And I have friends that literally call me little B and B more than they call me Christy now. And Aww. my room is decorated yes. in every manner of B thing you can think of just about. <laughs> and it, it, I mean, I never expected. And so years ago I had a blog and right after I started the blog, I got really, really sick. I have cerebral palsy and several underlying conditions. I wanted to restart the blog and Kimberly Bell suggested, she's like, don't start a blog, start a Facebook group. And I'm like, okay. So I did. And my high school drama teacher who I lost two weeks before the page launched, we were batting around names in my room. And I said, a novel B. And she went, oh, that's like novelty. And she's like, in the whole novel thing, she's like, it works. I love it. And it does work. That's how it happened. <laughs> it's definitely, it definitely works. We love it. And I mean, and it worked out pretty perfectly because now you get to be the queen bee. And what could be better than being the queen bee, <laughs> right? Right. right. <laughs> well, and, and who knew that, I mean, everything that says buzziest book, I'm like, well, it, I didn't come up with it on purpose. Really, I didn't, I didn't really think about that. But, I mean, it, it works on so many levels. It really does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so you and I talk a lot about books, a lot, as well as other things. And you're always sharing your favorites on your page. And one of the things that I'm so interested in is that so many of your favorite books this year have been debut novels, which... I love, especially during this time where I think it's been a really tough time to be a debut novelist. Definitely. So can you tell us um, what some of your favorite debut novels of the year have been? And why have you always been such an enthusiastic supporter of debuts? I think because just because I know I can't imagine how hard it is to be a debut author and you put your book out there. and You just want somebody to read your story and know your story and I think we all feel that way. We just want people to know our stories. And so that's why I've always been as enthusiastic as I can about a, de- about a debut, especially if I find one that I truly love. And there are three this year that have already made my buzziest list for 2021. Ooh. And that's, yeah. Waiting for the Night Song by Julie Carrick Dalton. I love that book. <laughs> I do too. It's it's amazing. From opening paragraph to the last page it's, it's yes. just gorgeous and also a light at luna park by addison armstrong and a hand to hold in deep water by sean noche that's a new one for me oh my gosh it is absolutely beautiful it's one of those books 
if it's not on your radar, I don't know. I mean, it should be on everybody's radar, but if it's not, if you don't have, it's one of those books you, you would almost have to say, have somebody read it and go, have you read yeah. an incredible book? Yeah, it's one of those. I love that. I love when a book does that to you. I do too. That's the best feeling. One of my favorite. So, uh, Christy, one of the things that I love about a novel B is is you letting authors basically take over the hive and promote their books, and they've all done it in such interesting and cool ways. How did that begin, and how do you turn the reins over to them? What kind of parameters do you give them? There aren't really parameters. I'm like, it's totally up to you, whatever you want to do. And nobody's really ever asked me anything that they've wanted to do that I've said no I mean, we do ask usually if you're going to take over the page for the whole day, we do ask usually that you give away a book or a bookish item of some kind. And most everybody has been okay with doing that because, you know, if I give you eight to 12 hours on my page, (laughs) I think that's a pretty, (laughs) it's a pretty easy request for most people. And so, and I always try to do unique and different things like, Last year, we did dash around Christmas. We did dashing through debuts, <laughs> and so we did like so eight different debut novel novelists in like eight days, and that was a lot of fun. I always try to do something different because I I'm very outside of the box anyway, so I always try to do things outside of the box without the box completely. <laughs> no box just yeah. throw the box gee, away. gee i would never have known that about you <laughs> i know it's and, it, and people don't realize christy's one of christy's favorite things about the page is the way when i do a buzziest list every week or every couple of weeks i always try to we- well i do always weave the titles of the books into my intros but i've been doing that since i was about nine because I had to had to do that with spelling words. Oh, I love that. Yes, that is definitely one of my favorite things. I was going that's to mention great. it and you beat me to the punch. So <laughs> that's good. A little mind meld happening here on the podcast. Um, but yes, I, I do love that. I think it's like so clever and so creative and so cute. And it is always, I think as an author too, you're like, gosh, someone really took the time to you know come up with that, which I think is really, really cool. Um, but I also want to talk about, I mean, obviously a novel B is huge and has like sort of taken over, taken on a life of its own, but you're starting to expand your reach a little bit outside of a novel B you've written for book trip and appearing on a very famous podcast. Very famous, very famous. <laughs> and you yeah, probably co authored I co-authored that article with Booktrip with somebody I kind of like just a little oh, bit. Oh, you did? I don't know who that could be. You sort of did. You did a lot of that work. Um, no, we did do that together. That was really fun. That was really fun. And we were like fighting over who got to talk about which books. <laughs> um, but are there any items on your bookish bucket list that you hope to achieve? Well, I got to blurb your book. And when Salmon and Schuster used it, in their email uh-huh. blast, it uh-huh. it blew my. I, I was my like mind. driving down the road, and it popped up in that huge Simon and Schuster email blast, and the header was Christie's um, blurb, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I like called her right away, and I was freaking out. Like, You're not gonna believe it. They used your blurb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had so many moments. Ellen Hildebrand used Melody to reveal the cover of Golden Girl 
for the first time and I Which didn't even insane. know she was gonna I, I didn't even know she was going to do that. She she said, I have one more trick up my sleeve, if it's okay. And I'm like, um, okay. And I didn't even ask her what it was. And then when I realized what it was, I was like, oh, my gosh. And Kristen and Chrissy were both calling me going, do you know how big this is? Uh, <laughs> it was so awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So things like that. I never, I mean, if you would have told me. When I started the fade almost five years ago, especially all I've been through medically, um, the, all the things that have happened, I would have said you were cuckoo. I mean, I've had I've had my name in probably upwards of twenty books now. I've had a book yeah. dedicated to me, and all these different things, and it's just like, what is happening to my life? Um, <laughs> my, my my drama teacher always said that for somebody who's been ninety eight percent of their life in the bed that I am the most social person she's ever met. Oh. <laughs> and that is very true. <laughs> I love that. Well, you have touched a lot of people's lives. That is for sure. And um, you have so many people who love you and want to. So that's why I'm like, put your bucket list out there, baby, because people will listen and they will make it happen for you, whatever it is. <laughs> One of my bucket list things with being on the on the podcast with Lauren. I, I really want to meet him. And you said, done and done. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> see, you are such an inspiration and you're so amazing. Yes, you are. You really are. You just Brian, I don't think you realize what a what a what a sweet spirit you have that just it emanates from you. It emanates from your voice. It just and it just it means a lot to somebody who sits and listens a lot. You are going to make me cry. <laughs> I know me too. He does have a good, he he does have the sweetest, just, I, I told Christy, Ron, that um, for probably a lot of people listening to the podcast know this, but we had a Friends in Fiction, our first live event in Beaufort, and we had a few days together. And Ron was here in Beaufort with Mary Kay and Mary Alice and Patty and me and a bunch of people. And I was like, poor Ron probably left being like, <laughs> Wow, that was a lot of women. <laughs> and Meg, Meg was there too. Meg was and there Meg, too. but I've worked in libraries all my life and it's always been, you know, very female heavy. So I, it's something I'm used to and I navigate okay through. But then I was thinking, you know, we got a lot of kind of good Ron stories in there. So, you know, you yeah. hold your own. No, yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I was going to say I have a library story that might that might actually make Ron cry, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, oh boy! From first to eighth grade, going to the library was no easy task because it was upstairs. But you're not going to keep a bookworm like me out of the library. So <laughs> I literally, and we probably went to the library at least twice a week. I would literally scoot up the steps step by step at a time and every once in a while when we would have a book fair i would have a friend offer to go up and just look and tell me what books were there from encyclopedia Brown to trixie build and to all those and i was like no it's not the same thing <laughs> it's not it's not the same thing at all and so i would scoot up the steps and every once in a while somebody would carry me and i would usually have to start scooting up the steps about 20 minutes before we had to go to the library but 
my teachers allowed for it and it was okay. But that's how much I've always loved libraries. That is amazing. I mean, that is some real commitment. Dedication. Dedication. And (laughs) it's it's letting your passion kind of lead you, which is just amazing. That's so true. Well, my mama always says that that I read things with words, you know. I love that. You read things with words, (laughs) as in everything. (laughs) Right, everything. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Christy, I'd like to know how people get to be on your page and take it over for the day. And are there any other guests, so maybe a notable librarian that you haven't had on that you'd like to? (laughs) Well, if that notable librarian would like to be Prince for a day, I would be so excited. In fact, I'm shaking even thinking about it because I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, as Christy Woodson Harvey says, done and done. Oh, how fun. We'll have to come up with some really neat stuff to do. So so do you reach out to people to have them come on or do they, do they contact you? Really? If, if somebody's on my radar and I fall in love with their book, I've done this long before the page ever started. I reached out to Kimberly Bell when I read The Last Breath. I reached out to Colleen Oakley. If I fall in love with a book, it's a pretty safe bet that I'm going to reach out. But yes, I have had authors reach out to me and I've had publicists reach out to me. And there are people who assume that I'm a publicist, but I'm just a voracious reader. You are, but you do a lot of the work of a publicist too. You You really get the word out Mm -hmm. and you, that's, that's how you gain such popularity is that you do so many great things for people. That's right. You know, I try. So Christy, I'm betting that a lot of people don't know that you have an educational background in theater. I didn't know that about you for a long time. So can you tell us about that and how it, how you think it helped shape your love of story? A aforementioned drama teacher, her name was Pam and she was my drama teacher from high school. And so I knew from, from the time she had me do the entry as a red piece in a speech contest that won I knew that I was going to do something with theater. And if I'd been able to finish, I would have probably been a casting director. Uh-huh. That's what, I can see that. you know, that's what, cause I really think that I'm the kind of person that sees something in people that they don't really see in themselves. That's kind of why I think I would have been a casting director. But if you would have told me even 10 years ago that I would have turned my love into books to what it is now. I would have said, no, that's a pipe dream. There's no way, especially as thick as I've been for as long as I've been. Yeah. So, um, but I was in waiting for Godot in college. I was the Uh child and, and don't ask me what it's about. I've been in the play and I still can't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still waiting to figure it out. Exactly. Even the director is like, I've directed it. I still don't know what it's about. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) So, uh, Christy, you've created a really positive corner of the Internet during a time when not everything is so easy. Do you think that your page has been an escape for people and even for you? I know it has been for me. Well, I sure hope so, because that's one thing that I that I have said from the beginning. You won't, you won't even see, if I don't even kind of like a book, you won't see, ah, I'm not so sure about this one. Because that's just not 
who I am. I'm not going to yeah. put that out there. I remember I did a book the other day and I was really excited about it. So I said, oh, I wish it wasn't from that publisher. And I'm like, you should know better than to say that on my page. (laughs) 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 That's not kind. And that's that's my big thing is that I've always wanted people to be as kind as could be. And that's and I'm going to be as kind to you as I can. Mm. Yeah. And that comes through. That just comes through. Absolutely. It's the Queen Bee's decree. I like <laughs> the Queen Bee's decree. That's exactly. Well, Christy, we would be very poor interviewers if we did not ask you what is quite possibly the most important question of the Writer's Block podcast. What books are you reading? What did you read last? What are you reading now? And what is next for you? I listen to 85%. I read 15 to 20%, I would say depending on, because holding devices is difficult. So listening is really easy and -hmm. holding books, holding physical books is almost impossible. So I'm getting ready to finish all manner of things by Susie Finkbeiner. She's a Christian author and it's set in Vietnam or set around Vietnam. Interesting. And a brother goes off Vietnam. Um, and it's how the, how his family deals with the whole thing, and it's she was somebody that was on my that came on my radar because of a couple of people on the page, and so I dove in head first, and I'm like, oh, I'll be listening to everything you've written. And the narrator for her books is Tavia Gilbert, who's one of my absolute favorite narrators. She's one of those people you could listen to her read the phone book. <laughs> that, that can make or break it that's for sure it can it absolutely book. can mm-hmm. yeah and then as, i'm i'm trying to listen to i'm having a hard, a hard time getting it to download but i was granted access to um over the falls by rebecca hodge and it comes out next one. week do you know her debut is wildland you heard of that one I've heard of it. I just, I, I didn't get to it. My TBR pile, as you might imagine, is <laughs> it's fairly large. <laughs> a few, a few rooms a, full. <laughs> I can't imagine. And I'm also super <laughs> duper duper excited to read. I'm actually reading this one. Jekyll and Machard's The Good Son. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, comes, it comes out in January. And the first sentence of that book, oh, my goodness. You're literally pulled in from the first sentence because it was nice. it's like I pulled up in the to the prison gates with my son and I saw the mother of the woman he murdered. Wow. Oh. I'm in yep. already. I know that is that's really amazing. <laughs> well, our TBR has grown as usual and mm-hmm. um that this sound like really great recommendations. So Thank you so much, Christy, for coming on and for being such an open book with us, pun intended, and sharing about a novel B. And for people you, who want to check it out, make sure that you go visit a novel B on Facebook. I would hope you know the book that I'm most excited about for spring mm. The Wedding Veil. Mm. That sounds fantastic. Jack, wonder so, who wrote that. Sounds familiar. <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> well, I can't wait for you to read it. I'm super excited about it. <laughs> Me too. Ron, have yes, you read Christy. 
Have you read Kimberly Bell, My Darling Husband yet? No, but it's on my list. Mm. It's good. I can't wait. I can't wait. And echoing what Christy said, thank you so much for joining us, Christy. You are (laughs) such an inspiration to people, and you just are such a a gift, I think, to readers everywhere. And just keep, keep going, and I'll see you on the author takeover. Sounds perfect. Wasn't that a blast? It really is a party when authors, readers, and book lovers all come together. We could have talked all day to our guests, but let's continue the conversation on the Friends in Fiction Facebook page on Great Thoughts, Great Readers, and a Novel B pages. There's room in the hive for everyone. Thank you for listening, and please share the podcast with a friend. Thank you for tuning in to Friends in Fiction Writers Block Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where you can see our live Friends in Fiction show that airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.